guess who's directing a feature film? This man you are listening to right now with the damn sexy voice. Yes, I am uh, I'm doing my own feature film. I'm finally doing it. After years of uh, procrastinating, hesitating, whatever you want to say, I was a lazy asshole. And here I am, 29 years old, I'm going to direct my own movie. I'm going for it. I don't give a shit. Uh, and yeah, I guess you can call me one of those pretentious assholes, the armchair cinephiles. Uh, you're, you're lucky that's the file I am, okay? There's a lot of files out there. They're doing some pretty insidious, naughty shit. Just be thankful I'm sitting inside, eating Tostitos, and watching French New Wave. Chicks with the hairy pits. No, but I'm becoming inspired. I've uh, I've been watching a, a lot of foreign movies lately, and I just, you know, I figured the, the best way for me to get my foot through the door, so to speak, it's, it's an impossible industry to break through, but... I just want to do it. Uh, I'm 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 going to direct a film on my own. I've uh, I've had a lot of ideas floating around over the years that I've tried to make into scripts. A couple of them I actually wrote uh, and went all the way with, meaning I I just wrote a first draft and then kind of dropped it. But then there were others that, after about the second act, I stopped, and some after about ten pages, I stopped writing. Uh, I had a movie, Dennis Entertainment, that I was, uh, I was really, uh, we, we were kind of in the pre-production stage at one point. Like, we were really going for it. Me and my buddy, Matt Almeida, who's a showrunner, concert producer, he, he produces films all over the place. Uh, a good friend of mine, I've known him for years, but we, we were in the process of hashing out this film, the details. And uh, he took out a grant at one point. I don't. I still don't know what the fuck he did with the money, but he he did it. Uh, he took out the 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 dough, and we were gonna make this, and it just it fell through for whatever reason. So I think he is sitting on a pile of cash that was meant to go to this movie, but he didn't. You know, it's it's his. But uh, yeah, we we just didn't end up putting it towards the uh, the film. And it it is what it is. Things fall through. We're still good friends. We talk every night. I'm kidding. We don't. I haven't talked to him in months, but uh, I miss that motherfucker. Uh, yeah, but I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make it by myself. It's gonna be starring myself. Now, some would call me a narcissist for that, and I I I it, it, that's very well a possibility. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not going to uh, cross out the the possibility that I am just. I have a narcissistic personality disorder, and this is my way of just showing myself to the world. This is just. It's part of my desperate plight for attention. It is what it is. At the end of the day, no. I uh, I have an idea in mind for what I want to do, the type of story I want to tell, and I'm not going to give too much away. For my fanatical fans that are listening right now, I, I don't want to spoil it for you. For, for my stalkers who are listening to every word and hanging on it, every word that I say. 
No, but it's a weird thing being a film fan, like, because you really do have to get in to some of the most obscure films ever made. Some of the most wacky, fucked up content, whether it's John Waters and Pink Flamingo, whether it's any of the French New Wave stuff that's super out there, whether whether it's the Italian or Eastern European uh, horror movies, you have to you have to consume it all. That's really what it is. If if you want to get good at at being a cinephile, if you want to get good at if, if you want to get good at being a filmmaker, you have to watch it all. You can't just watch Hollywood movies or some. $2 indie film shot with a camcorder in some fucking guy in Missouri's garage. You have to go overseas. Not literally, okay? Flights are a thing of the past, okay? We have televisions in 2021. Besides, soon we're all gonna, it's all gonna be VR. We're all gonna be teleporting. So you're gonna be able to watch these movies from glasses. You're gonna all be, you're gonna just be in a, in a village somewhere watching samurais cut each other up. Or in the jungles of Brazil, you're just going to be watching samurais cut each other up. What are they doing here? Did they take the red eye? What's what's happening? No, but it's just watching a lot of movies. You gotta you gotta watch the movies from Italy. You gotta watch the French New Wave. You gotta watch the films from Japan and Korea and all over the place from from the Middle East. You gotta consume. And try different perspectives, and you got you got to take it in, and then you incorporate that, and you put it into your own art. Some of the greatest filmmakers in the world, whether it's Steven Spielberg, Scorsese, Tarantino, they all stole. They are all thieves that should be brought up on charges. No, it's what it is. They idolize filmmakers you've never heard of before, that I've never heard of before. Seriously, you got to watch the subtitled movies. It's just, it's part of the gig. It's part of discovering your craft and, and honing it. You got to learn about it. If you're an aspiring filmmaker who actually lives by the camera and you want to tell stories and you haven't seen Seven Samurai, what are you doing? Quit. You haven't seen La Hen or The Seventh Seal or Eight and a Half or The 400 Blows. Just stop it. This isn't for you. You like the bubblegum films. You like the prepackaged, and that's fine. I like watching shit go boom. I like watching things explode. I like watching robots sodomize each other in downtown Chicago. I think it's cool. I like the big budget action movies. It is, it, it's, it, it. It's soothing. It hits that part of the brain where, you, where you're thrilled. I don't know if it's dopamine. I don't know what it is, but it gives you a thrill. Is it euphoric? Is that what it is? Yeah. It's, it's doing your homework. And guess what? You've picked the industry with the most fun homework. It really is. You're just sitting with chips and salsa watching a movie from Serbia. 
what more do you want in life? What, you want Michael Bay to come in? With Nicolas Cage flying a plane, just nosediving it into a bill? What do you want? Your friends are all doing finance. They're sitting in a cubicle. And they're not happy. They have to crunch numbers with a calculator. There's no calculations. There's no calculators in film. If you're by yourself in an apartment watching movies, hey, not only do you get to eat licorice and Tostitos, you, you can masturbate too. It's all of the best features of life in one thing. That's you practicing for your career. Because what is film metaphorically? What is the entertainment met- industry metaphorically than just a series of jerk-offs? See? You got to think about it. Uh, seriously, studying film, it, it is, it's not just the Hollywood movies. It's not just the big-budget action flicks. It's as cool as a lot of them can be. I like a lot of them. Again, Transformers, that was my shit. The Rock growing up. Nicolas Cage, Sean Connery on Alcatraz going after Ed Harris. That was my shit growing up. I love The Lord of the Rings. That was big budget cinema at its finest. Arguably the best example of it ever done outside of the original Star Wars trilogy. But that's neither here nor there. But it's more than that film. Sometimes if you're a film, it's it's watching a filmography from a director you've never heard of. You'll just hear some guy who's also a film fan. He's got a scarf, so you know he means business. And he's just said he says to you one day, it's just it's some guy who's just you know an unknown, just like, hey man, you ever heard of? Uh, do you like uh, the films of uh, Chuck Zumi Sasimiwa? And you go, no, who's Chuck Zumi Sasimiwa? He's like. Oh, he's this director from the 40s, man. Like, he's inspired all the greats, you know? Scorsese idolized him. He watched him when he was a kid. and uh, He had to keep it a secret because it was wartime, and he didn't want his parents knowing that he was watching the films of the enemy. But he inspired, you know, like, he inspired some of the best scenes that Scorsese ever shot. You know, Goodfellas, the tracking scene when he's bringing her underground into the restaurant? That was Chuck, that was classic textbook. Chuck Zumi Sasimiwa. So you're like, okay, like I gotta, I gotta check this guy out. If you're that, if you're that passionate and into the craft, if you're that dedicated, you spend your whole weekend, that weekend, watching nothing but old Chuck Zumi Sasimiwa, and you're expecting this esteemed Japanese filmmaker. He's got a Japanese-sounding name, and it turns out he's just another white guy. From the 1970s midnight movie circuit. He and John Waters fucked. And you're going, why, why Chuck Zumi Sasimiwa? What's that? And then you read it and you go, oh, his name is Chuck Zumi. And he added the Sasimiwa to seem cultured? I don't know what. And you almost want to, it's like just some guy in the 80s asked him, it's like, what's the Sasimiwa? And he's like, oh, you know, it's just a, it's a popular Japanese Greeting. Do, do you mean konnichiwa? Oh, that's right. Yes, that's it. Well, anyway, it's too late now. I don't know. I, I autographed all your posters. A lot of bullshit people in the, in the film industry. 
You know, it's it's a lot of just chopping it up, small talk with some guy behind the popcorn stand of, you know, a local mom and pop movie theater that's, you know, it is what it is. It's just a lot of that stuff. It's a lot of people who just, they never want to go, they just want to stay in that world too. They never really want to get successful. I want to get successful in this. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I want to be successful before fame, okay? Fame is like this long shot thing. I just want to be able to make some money. I want to live in New York. That's the goal. And I just, I want to put my feet down and just do what I love before any of that. I want to have some I, I want to have success before fame. But at the same time if fame was on the table, of course I'd fucking take it. There's a lot of people who don't want even even if it's on the table if it's right in front of them, if it's offered to them, they don't want to take it. And that's a lot of those guys in the midnight movie circuit, the guys behind the popcorn stands who just they know everything about film, they know everything about uh, comedy, about hip hop music, and they just they they they're encyclopedias. I know it sounds cliche, but they are walking, talking encyclopedias, and they're going to stay that way. They never really evolve. They never really go anywhere. There's people who trade, you know, like I said, I want to be successful before fame. If fame's even an option. But I'm not saying if, if fame was offered to me, I wouldn't take it. Of course I would. What am I, a, 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 an uncivilized... An uncivilized simpleton? Not at all. There's some people, they would, they would, they trade fortune and fame and luxury for being real. But what they don't realize is that real is subjective. What I find authentic is different from what you might find authentic, you know? It's all different to everybody. Everybody's perspective. Like in the hip-hop, there's no greater example than the hip-hop community, than, than the hip-hop world. There's, there's hip-hop famous rappers from the 90s who are getting older, and they're looking at the new kids now, going, who the fuck are these kids? Why are they wearing tight pants? What is this mumble rap shit? And by the way, I do not like the mumble rap. That's a whole other episode. But they literally feel as if they've been violated. And instead of evolving themselves and finding their own style in all of this and, and, and moving ahead with the times, they're still stuck in 1994 in, in a basement with their friend with turntables, and they're 57. And it's really sad. All because they never wanted to sell out. I'd sell out if you gave me the chance to, man. It looks fun. I see all those parties in, in L.A. on the rooftops in someone's backyard. They're barbecuing. There's people just naked in a pool. Please, like, where do I go? Who do I talk to for this life? Who do I blow for this life? Get me there ASAP. It's, it's all so tempting, but there's people who don't want it because they want to appear authentic. And they think they have integrity. They think that they're being honorable. Really, they're not. They're being stupid. 
I remember me and my friends a few years ago, we saw a rapper that we all really liked. We'd, we'd been listening to him for years, and he's a semi-famous name. He's legendary within the music community. He's been going at it for 30-plus for years. He's released albums. He's toured all over the world. But he never quite blew up to the degree that his peers did, a lot of his peers. And he came from the old school, like, 90s era hip-hop. Like, he was just an absolute savage on the mic. He was fucking insane. And we went to see him. And we're, we're at this little barroom area for, you know, that fits maybe 120 people max. A tiny little space. And at one point, we got to go in the back and into, into the green room and meet him. And it turns out he had been waiting for an hour and a half to get on stage. It was at the all his openers had gone on. They were local kids. And they were just playing music off of a stereo. The DJ hadn't even gotten there. He didn't even bring a fucking DJ. He just brought a couple of friends and he had a, a, an opener with him. And the DJ was supposed to get there. He was this local kid. And he would just give him his music on a key and just hash out the playlist beforehand. And it's like, really? 30 plus years of experience and this is it? This is what you do? I mean, you don't need to be, you know, getting fed grapes on a fucking beach in the South Pacific or anything. But, you know, when you're that long in the business, 30 plus years, ideally, you're at least able to bypass this nonsense. I mean, we, and the DJ finally gets there. And he's 20. I think his mom dropped him off. And he sets up. The rapper got to get on stage. And I'm not saying who it is. I'm not going to say who it is. Because I do admire him. He put on a great show. He's a fucking good performer, but you could tell, very bitter. And he gets on stage. And the DJ didn't do, do the proper job of organizing his set list. So it was all mixed up. He had it all planned out. And it, it had just fucked up. And the two of them are yelling at each other on stage. It got to the point where they actually, and the DJ fucking storms off the stage. And that was it. And, and we were just like, holy shit, man. Like, I had a couple beers in me at that point. And I'm going, that's, I mean, <laughs> this is the life. This is the thick of it. And this guy, again, I say, 30 plus years arguing with a 20-year-old DJ. If that is the product of not selling out, I want nothing to do with it. If that is being authentic and staying true to your craft and your culture, I want nothing to do with it. And I remember, I remember meeting him in the green room. I remember talking to him. Hey, big fan, listened to you for a decade. Really looking forward to your set. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. I've been waiting for a fucking hour and shit. And I'm like, uh, not the way I wanted that to go. I kind of expected it, but not the way I wanted it to go. And I remember we drove home that night, and it was rough. I couldn't sleep. I was like, fuck, if I'm going to get into show business, if I'm going to do comedy, if I want to get into film, I got to do the shit out of it. And if somebody offers me on a piece of paper, says, hey, sell your soul. And we'll give you success beyond your wildest dreams. I take it. So you know what? I kind of take back what I said at the beginning. I do, I do want fame. 
Success would be cool. I'll take success. I'll settle for success. But if fame comes my way, I'm snatching it up. I still have nightmares from that night. I have nightmares that come in the form of me on a stage arguing with a DJ. I don't even do music anymore. I'm just arguing with a random guy on turntables. Like, I tell jokes. What do you, I don't know, can you, can you at least play an outro song for when I get off stage? Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm arguing with a, with a 20-year-old. And in the dream, he just gets younger and younger to the point where I'm just arguing with a baby. And it turns out, you know what? This just symbolizes my internal battle with my inner child. That was the conclusion that I've made. I haven't talked to a therapist. Really not into the idea of talking to a therapist, but that's, you know. When you don't like psychoanalysis, when you're not into that shit, you gotta, you gotta come up with your own diagnosis. I don't do the therapist. I'm Irish. I'm Irish German. That bothers me so much when people say that. It's like there's a lot of stereotypes of Irish and Germans, but uh, like we'll just keep it Irish, okay? And I don't talk much about my my cultural heritage. I don't. I don't really. I think there's. I'm. I'm not against it, but I think it's stupid. You just hear these people. They get up and they're like, "Yeah, you know, growing up Swedish sure was tough on the block." And I'm like, "What? I'm not going to talk about Irish. I'm not going to talk about being Irish." There's a million other Irish comics who grew up in Irish families. What am I going to be like? Yeah, you know, growing up, uh, growing up in that Irish Catholic family, my mom was she would uh, she would river dance in the kitchen with a potato peeler on Sunday mornings. Like, what? Who gives a shit? Nobody cares. Do you have hobbies? Who are you as a person? A lot of stereotypes. The, the one stereotype of Irish that, uh, that I I despise is that the Irish do not do therapy. That they that they are impervious to psychoanalysis. I believe that is the term. Matt Damon says it in The Departed. You know the Irish. Uh, Freud. You know what Freud said about the Irish, right? He said that the Irish were the only ones who were impervious to psychoanalysis. That's the line or something like that. He was in the French restaurant with Vera Farmiga. And I'm just like, I don't know what that means. Like they're tough people. They're stoic. They've been through a lot. But why can't you just talk to a shrink, school counselor, anybody? What 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 is so different about their struggle? What makes them different from everybody else that's suffering? There's people, you know. Why can they all talk to people? I don't get it. Like the the Irish can't do psychoanalysis. They can't do therapy. I I don't think that's a that's a real thing. I just think that's the most dramatic excuse to get out of therapy. Like, what are the common excuses to not go to a psychiatrist? Like, what, what, uh, I got work, I got to drop off the kids at school, I'm busy all day. Those are what normal people do to get out of therapy. And here with the Irish, a whole ethnic group has just gone, yeah, we're sociopaths, that's, uh, that's our, that's our reason. Yeah, we just don't feel. It's all bullshit. Everybody, everybody just uses their their ethnic group as an excuse for the way that they that they behave in front of people. It's it's like this weird self. It's like have some fucking respect for yourself, man. 
They just use it. It's like, you know. Hey, why did you ghost me the other night? You stopped texting me. Ah, oh, sorry, I'm Bolivian, you know. What does that have to do? Isn't that just a person thing? Acting like Irish are the only ones who don't who don't feel emotion. <laughs> yeah, we're very stoic. Yeah, we can't we can't talk about our feelings. It just gets really awkward for us. No, every everybody else is just so open. Everybody else is just just they just break down crying on cue. Like Italians, what about those hubs of emotion? God. In an Italian family, if uh Pretty sure if you start crying, you get punched in the face. For a dad, it's punch in the face. If it's if it's your mom, it's stiletto over the head. Something like that. It's it's rough growing up in an Italian family. I knew kids who grew up in Italian families, and it was not it was not good. Much better growing up Irish. Or Irish semi Irish Catholic, Irish German. I have a Dutch last name, so I don't really know where I fit. No, but Italians, those are hard people. Those aren't people that you'd see just calling. That's why The Sopranos was such a novelty because, oh, my God, this is the first Italian in history talking about crying over his mother to somebody. Crying over his ma. No, you can't express emotion in an Italian household. You got you to be a macho man. You got to be a guy. You got to be one of the dudes. You can't start crying. You can't say that you're you can't say that you're down. That's right for that 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 smack in the head. And the Irish do that too. Remember Goodfellas, the, the Irish do it's not just the Italians. I'm not I'm not picking on the Italians. I I like the Italians. I'm an eighth Italian. I've said it before. Don't know where on the boot I'm from, but hey. No, you can't cry in an Italian family, and God forbid you're anything worse. God forbid you have a worse illness. You can't say you're depressed. There's no such thing in a depressed household. There's no such thing as depressed in an Italian household. I'm a little tired. And, uh... Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, every Italian dad has a a grave in the backyard reserved for their son uh, on the off chance that, God forbid, they say they have anxiety. That's what it is. That's what that, that, that's what that garden is for in the back. Why do you think their tomato gardens flourish in the summertime? They're using their anxious kid as fertilizer. That's rough. That's why I don't eat a uh, an Italian sandwich with tomato in the summertime. I'm just like, ah, this... This tastes a little awkward. It tastes like... Uh, it uh, tastes like salt and, uh, and angst. No, there's a lot of... There's a lot of ethnic groups that don't... 
show emotion. That wouldn't be good in psych rooms or, or, or in psychiatrist's office. What about the Polish? What about them? God. I'm pretty sure it's illegal for them to smile after 40. Caribbean households, probably not ideal in, in a psychiatrist's office. Asian households. It's universal. It's not just the Irish. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not just, we're not fucking special. Anyways, something's off podcast. Follow me on Instagram. Take it easy.